We're thankful to God that you haven't squandered your time this morning, but that you're here to hear a word. And it may be just that for you. The Lord has something here for you today. Not only has he brought us together, but he's brought us to hear something we need to hear. To inspire us to live a better life for him today than we did on yesterday. Let's not squander that opportunity. And I want to thank God for your presence, especially those of you who may be visiting with us today. I'm not sure I see any visitors, but if you are here, we want you to know that we are happy to have you here. And our goal is to preach Jesus and him crucified. We don't make any apologies for being a member of the Church of Christ. We're not ashamed to say that we are the church that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 16, 18, when he said, upon this rock, the truth that Peter had confessed that Jesus was the son of the living God, he says, I'm going to build my church and the very gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We don't find any other person in the whole of the scriptures who declared he will build a church. Nobody. It's only outside of the word that we find men saying, I want me a church, and I'll build me a church. Now, Peter once said, Lord, it's good for us to be here on the Mount of Transfiguration. He says, why don't we build three tabernacles? But see, that's Peter. Peter was good for coming off the top, not thinking about what he was saying before he said it. He was tempestuous. If you asked the question, Peter would be the one to jump up and answer it, right or wrong, you were going to know how he felt. And on that occasion, he said, Lord, we just, I just feel like we ought to have three tabernacles. One for Elijah, who's here, and one for Moses, and one for you. He had enough sense not to include himself. But before he even got a chance to answer, the Bible says, God opened the curtains of heaven <laughs> and spoke at that occasion and said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. In other words, Peter, sit down and shut up. Listen to Jesus. And in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to build some churches. He didn't say, I'm going to build the first one and then y'all can come on after me and build whatever you want to build. He simply said, I will build my church and the very gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's in that light that I want to speak to you today about this precious word that we have that is here 2,000 years after it was started. And the message is entitled, how do we know if the church Jesus built is still in the world today? There are a lot of people confused about that question. Some of those people 
may be here this morning, who even though you're here with, a, with an open heart and an open mind, you've been dealing with this question maybe because you've been talking with others who have confused you about some things. And that's why the Lord encourages us through Isaiah chapter 1 verse 8 to come together and to reason together. That's what I want us to do this morning. Whether you need this message for yourself or for someone else you're teaching, let's reason together. Let's use our minds and not come off the top with personal opinions and uh, what we think ought to be. Because what we think and what God wants is as far as the east is from the west. I want to again, encourage you to study along with us this morning as I make a few points and leave this lesson with you. Now, as we answer this question this morning, we're not interested in a church like the church Jesus built. And we're not interested in a savior like the Son of God. When Peter answered that question, when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And then brought it down to the disciples. You, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He didn't say you lump somebody like the Son of the living God. But you are the son of the living God. Either you are or you're not. And either there's a church that Jesus built or there isn't. But I want you to understand this morning that in order for us to answer this question, we need to consider some things that we already know so that we can reason together. There are some things that are similar, but they're not the same. A cow is like a horse in that they both have four legs and a tail, but a cow is not a horse. A monkey is like a man in that we are both mammals and walk on two feet, but man is no monkey. The worship of Cain and Abel was similar in that they were serving the same God at the same time in response to blessings they had received. But Cain's was rejected and Abel's was accepted. Genesis 4, 4 and 5. Tares, as we've been discussing in our Sunday school, tares and wheat were close in appearance, but one was edible and desirable, and the other was poisonous and hated. Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Now, we are, as we answer this question today, we're interested in finding the same church Jesus promised Peter 
he would build in Matthew 16, 18. We're looking for that same church today. In our world, we're looking not for somebody like the Son of God. We're looking for the Son of God. Son of the living God. Unfortunately, many are satisfied today to have some Savior, they think, like Jesus. And a church that's just close enough to be counted in the hunt. But I want to ask you today about your understanding of the seed principle. Because there is an understanding of the seed principle. That whole passage in Matthew chapter 13, beginning around verse 3 and continuing throughout that chapter, emphasizes that the seed is most important. And Luke 8 says to us in verse 11, we understand that the seed is the word of God. So we don't have to, if we're trying to locate the Lord's church today, we don't have to prove that by tracing historically and biblically this church that started 2,000 years ago and continued until this very day. We probably will find some blind spots in there where the church was living in caves and they had basically uh, disappeared because of persecution. So we may not be able to link together a successive chain where the church was always visible, but the church has always been there. The more important point is this. If we want the church today, we simply plant the seed that was planted then. Let me, let, me, let me bring that a little closer. If we wanted Alabama tomatoes in Texas, would we need a row of tomatoes that stretches from Alabama through Mississippi, through Louisiana and into Texas to have Alabama tomatoes? Of course not. We understand that all you got to do is get some Alabama tomato seeds and take them to Texas and wherever you plant them, you're going to get some Alabama tomatoes. Because it's not about a succession. The, the power is not in the row, but in the seed. It doesn't make any difference if the church of our Lord laid dormant for a hundred years. As long as we have the seed, we can produce the same thing they produced in Acts chapter 2. If you plant the same seed, you're going to get the same fruit. Now, there's no, you and I know that there is no way, no farmer goes out and plants a row of seed and then stands back wondering what's going to grow. <laughs> Being surprised at what's going to grow. You expect the result of what you planted. When you plant beans, you get beans, not watermelon, not corn. When we plant a peach seed, 
it can produce only a peach tree. Now, if you plant a peach seed and get an apple tree, probably the seed was mislabeled. Because the seed produces after its kind. Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Not, not only that, but any organization, whether it is worldly or spiritual, perpetuates itself by continuing to plant the same seed. I don't care whether we're talking about communism or football or Apple computers. Any organization in this world perpetuates itself by planting the same seed. Doesn't make any difference where they plant it. If you plant the seed, you're going to get what you always got. Because this is really about the characteristics of the seed more than anything else. Religious organizations are the same way. Everybody of a religious uh, group out there has a doctrine which it plants as a seed. Now, let me bring that closer. If you sow a seed, and the seed is the teaching, the seed is the word of God, but if you put in your little bit, let me tell you what happens, show you what happens in the world. How do we know that the Lord's church is still in the world today? Well, here's one way that we, we know. If you plant the word, it will only produce Christians. The word is the seed. If we plant this the way it is there, it can only produce Christians. So if churches are not producing Christians in the Lord's church, then that's evidence that somebody has planted something foul. If you sow a seed that you're saved before you baptized, it will produce a Baptist church every time. That kind of teaching won't produce the Lord's church. That produces a Baptist church. If you sow a seed that teaches that the preacher should be addressed as reverend or pastor, and they use instrumental music, it will produce a denominational church every time. Can't produce nothing else. It can only produce what was planted. What's planted determines what grows. Now, let me go a little further. If you sow a seed that teaches only 144,000 will be saved, it will produce a Jehovah's Witness church every time, without fail. If you sow a seed that teaches Saturday is the day of worship, it will produce a seven-day Adventist church every time. If you sow a seed that teaches Allah is God and Elijah Muhammad 
his representative on earth and that Jesus was just a good guy, it will produce a Muslim religion every time. I guarantee it. If you sow a seed that teaches that the Pope is a representative of Jesus Christ on earth, it will produce the Catholic Church every time. But if you sow a seed that teaches that Jesus is the builder, the savior, and the head of the church, it will produce the church of Christ every time. So what's the problem? Well, some folks have allowed others to plant in their mind a seed that says any church will do. Anywhere, just, just as long as it's a church. If they have a building and a name on the front, whatever they're teaching inside, doesn't matter because we all serve in the same God. How often has you heard somebody say that? And then you ask them why they worship a certain way and they can't even tell you. Well, that's just what we do. Well, I'm asking you, why you do it? Well, that's, that's just what we do. That's not an appropriate answer. Well, I can tell you how this all starts. It's only when people start cross-pollinating and cross-breeding that we start getting a little bit of everything so that we're not satisfied with just a peach anymore. We want to cross-pollinate the peach with an orange and get us a, what do they call that? Uh-huh, a hybrid. It's not pure, it's mixed. I heard somebody talking the other day about breeding dogs. And they had run across a situation where a greyhound had breeded with a chihuahua. Uh, you figure that one out <laughs> on the way home this afternoon. But see, that's how you get these hybrids, you know, and that's what people have done with the Word of God. There are churches amongst us who are no more than hybrids because they've been cross-pollinating and cross-breeding the Word of God with their own ideas. This is the way it looks. I want you to understand this. The churches that are among us today are called by different titles because they reflect differences in teaching and in their building. How can we all be going the same way and we got 150 different names? It begins with that. What suggests that everybody's following the same God if we all calling ourselves something different? Acts chapter 7, uh, chapter 11 and verse number 26 says that the, the children of God were first called Christians at Antioch. That's it. That's all they were called. Now, but when you get churches today with all of these different names that reflect differences in teachings and builders, 
Hence you have titles such as Bryant Chapel. Whose chapel? Well, it's Bryant's chapel. Well, where's Jesus in the mix? No, this is Bryant's chapel. St. John Baptist. That's folk who think John built the church. John told him he wasn't the one. He said, the one you're looking for is not me now. It's the one whose shoes I'm not even worthy to latch. As a matter of fact, there he is. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Pointed Jesus out to him. And no sooner than John died, people were trying to follow his baptism of repentance. Jesus didn't get baptized by John because he had sin. Jesus had nothing to repent of. But he left us an example. Even John said, wait a minute, Lord, I don't need to be baptizing you. John understood. He said, you need to be baptizing me. And Jesus said, in essence, I understand that, John, but suffer it to be so right now. You may not be able to see what I'm doing, but I'm leaving an example for the world that you need to be baptized. Now, if Jesus could do it, what's wrong with you? Coming with these attitudes about, well, I, I would do it today, but I just got my hair done. I didn't wear the right clothes. What's important is that we submit ourselves to water baptism. And then you got the African Methodist Episcopal. And then you got Muslims. And you got Lutheran. And you got Faith Temple. And you got the Mormons. All of those titles suggest, yes, we are different. And that's why we call this rather than that. We different from you. Our build is different and our teachings are different. So you don't have to look any further than these names for people to tell you, yeah, we are a divided religious group of folk. Because we don't agree with you and you don't agree with them. Lord, help us. What kind of seed produced these denominations? Well, it's due to religious cross-pollination and cross-breeding. Tell you what that is. That's when you mix truth, some truth, with some error, and then you add some lust for power and authority, and then you add a little bit of lying and deceitfulness, and it will produce a denominational church every time. But what we're trying to find this morning is, is the Lord's church still here in this, these last bitter days? Well, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Let's consider this. Do we have the same seed today as what was planted in New Testament times? Sure we do. That's what our text in 1 Peter 1 says, that we have a word that is still alive. 
It says the grass may wither and pass away, but the word of God will endure forever. We have the same word. And if we plant this word today, I don't care what community we're in, it'll produce the church of Christ. Every time you mess with the seed, you may get something else. But as long as the seed has the characteristics of the church, and wherever you plant it, it's still the Lord's body. Let me ask you this. Has the seed died on us? No. First Peter 1 teaches us that the seed is still very active and very much alive. Do we have the same soil? Yes. Because the soil are the hearts of men who are still waiting to be taught. When the same seed is planted in good, sincere hearts today, it grows the same thing it did in Acts 2. Christians, no more, no less. So let me ask you today, what church will the seed produce if the seed is pure? As long as we keep this pure, it will only produce Christians. That's really the point to you this morning. Let me end by saying this. The perpetuation of the church is not about the history of people following it. It's about the pattern. The pattern. And the pattern is contained in the seed. Mm-hmm. When Christ's church sprouts up, it sprouts up because people have heard the word, they've understood it, they've obeyed it, and they are then what they are. Let me just uh, leave this point with you, and we're going to talk more about the seeds that are planted in our personal life because it works on the same principle. Same principle. Whatever seeds you're planning in your life will grow based on the seeds you, you plant. Mm -hmm. You can't plant bad seed in good soil and get a good product. It's going to only plant what you put in there. So many times we find ourselves looking outside of ourselves for the problem when the problem is really the seed that we're allowing to be planted in our minds because it's that seed that's going to bring forth a harvest. Someone has said that there is a, there is a cold principle, a cold book principle. And the cold book principle it operates just the way the seed principle does. And basically what it says is anything that is extinct now can be reproduced if you use the same pattern. If the last TV set on earth flickered and stopped today, as long as you have a cold, 
of how that thing was built, somebody can build it. And that doesn't make any difference what it is. If there is written down somewhere a hundred-year-old schematic of how phones were done, how TVs were done, some smart person can come and take that schematic and build that same TV. A hundred years removed. Because what's important is the pattern. Not how long it's been laying dormant. Not how long it's been since we've had a church, but follow the pattern and you'll get the same thing. That's what we're trying to get men to understand today. And the only reason we have denominationalism at the level it is at today is because people keep planting seeds that are damaged seeds and planting them in good minds. So what would we have you do today? Stay true to the will of God. Stay true. I don't care what people say to you. I don't care who they are. They can be mom and dad. They can be people you don't want to hurt. People whose feelings you don't want to hurt. And you can't change people. They have to change themselves. But what we are expected to do is to hold firm to the word of God. When others don't want to come, don't follow that. That's not a part of the seed. That's not a characteristic of the seed. When others say we're tired of it here and we want to go somewhere else, don't buy into that. That's the devil. Because I guarantee you, unless they got robots over there, you're going to get the same thing you got here. They may be less educated. They may be more educated. They may be richer. They may be poorer. But as long as they're people, you're going to deal with the same thing you just left. Some folks say you jumped out of the frying pan and straight into the fire, thinking you're going for something that's better, thinking the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence where they just seem to be so sophisticated and educated. Get up in there, and they'll show you how sophisticated, educated folk really are. Uh-huh. That's a setup. Stay with the word. As long as the word is being preached, keep your mind centered on this. Not on what other folk are doing. Because nobody, when we get to the judgment, is going to be able to stand before Jesus and say, Lord, I got somebody I want to come and stand with me. Because they can tell you more about me than I can. They understand me real good. Always did understand me. Jesus doesn't want anybody in the box but you to give an account of what you've done in this life. So if you hear this word and you have faith in it, and you're willing to be repentant because you're one of those people who thought that any old church would do, if you believe that, then that means you believe that one church is as good as another. And the Bible doesn't give us to believe that. That's why Jesus only built one. That's all we need, one. He built one ark. Guess what? If you didn't like sailing, you were fresh out of love. <laughs> one. That's it. You were either on it and saved or off of it and dead. That same thing applies today. You're either in the Lord's church or you're not. 
You're not getting in it. You're in it or you're not. We want you to be in it today. Repent and confess Christ as Lord. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. And you can enjoy this same privilege we enjoy today. I don't care what we're going through. Every one of us ought to be happy at the end of the day that we are members of the body of Christ. Because when all this is done and over, we got to look forward to that place where there are no more tears. No more problems. No more dealing with folk. Now we got a brand new body. The Bible says not made with hands. Eternal in the heaven. I look forward to seeing you there. Don't you want to see me there? Don't you want to greet me there? Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful if we could greet each other over there and talk about how we got over? Come on this morning, let's stand.